0: Office supplies at huge
1: savings? Yeah, Digitex does that.
0: D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot on Oilers Radio, 630 check. It is 1235 in Edmonton. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stauffer with you on Oilers Now. It's a game night. The Edmonton Oilers and the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, Louis DeBrusque is somewhere in the bowels of this building, and maybe he's meeting right now with Travis Green and the Canucks. Who knows? Anyways, guests on this show receive gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. It's the greatest steak you've ever had. Now open for lunch Monday through Friday at 1130. Each day, Roos Chris. Follow the sizzle to 9990 Jasper Avenue. Tell Rebecca and the staff that Oilers Now sent you to Roos Chris. All right. Without further ado, it's twelve thirty-six in Edmonton. Jam-packed schedule in the National Hockey League. We got the World Junior Championships going on as well. Uh, with NHL today, for our friends at Elite Promotional Marketing, here is Brendan Escott.
3: Thanks, Bob. As you mentioned, the league does resume tonight in 13 total games. There's uh, one other all-Canadian matchup taking place, the Flames visiting Winnipeg, and that's a battle of the two top teams in the Western Conference. Uh, we now know who will captain the all-star teams this year. As you mentioned, uh, Connor McDavid mm-hmm. will captain the Pacific Division for the third straight year. Nathan McKinnon leads the Central, Austin Matthews for the Atlantic, and Alex Ovechkin for the Metropolitan. That all-star game takes place in San San Jose on January 26th, while D-Man Matt Dumbo will miss three months after having surgery to fix a torn pectoral muscle. The Senators, meanwhile, they're without goaltender Craig Anderson and D-Man Justin Falk through the weekend. They both have concussions. Taylor Hall is day-to-day with a lower body injury. He will miss tonight's game against Boston and the Bruins, they get Zdeno Chara back from a 19-game absence. And then this came in a little bit later on, the Predators activating uh, P.K. Subban and Victor Arvidsson off the injured reserve today as well. Uh, Team Canada, as we know, uh, put up two converted touchdowns in a 14-0 route of Denmark, and that opened their uh, 2019 World Junior campaign. It was Morgan Frost with three goals, two assists. Maxime Comtois had four goals. Tonight, they play Switzerland at 6 o'clock our time. Uh, Bakersfield Condors play the San Diego Gulls at 7 p.m. The Oil Kings resume action tomorrow night uh, following their Christmas break. They host the Calgary Hitmen at Rogers Place. Saturday, they play in Red Deer, and then the Rebels are in town on Sunday. Finally, the U of A Golden Bears resume conference play in January, but they do have two exhibition games. They play the Nadeukes tomorrow night at Nate, and the Calgary Dinos visit the Claire Drake on Saturday, Bob. And
0: the Alberta Golden Bears, uh, ranked number two in the country, in Herbert's squad, adding Tyler Soy, a Anaheim Ducks draft choice that has had 40-goal and 90-point seasons in the Western Hockey League. He was playing down on the East Coast. Uh, could not crack Dallas Aiken's squad in San Diego, so he's elected to go to school. You can text us at six thirty, six thirty on our Heartland Ford Tax Line. Uh, Brendan, you watched that game yesterday. To me, and I this this event I think maybe uh maybe occurred uh, before you were even born, but it was about as bad as watching the United States uh, Dream Team against Angola in basketball. And I remember American fans chanting USA, USA, USA uh, in Barcelona back in 92 when the greatest collection of uh, NBA stars ever was just routed everybody. I mean, they had Michael Jordan at the absolute apex of his career. Um Magic Johnson and Larry Bird were not as great as they once were, but were still fantastic players. Patrick Ewing, Charles Barkley, Christian Laettner? <laughs> Christian Leitner was on the team instead of Shock. Anyhow, uh, it was just funny watching it because last night, 14 to nothing got a little bit embarrassing for Canada as well. All right, well, each Thursday in orders now, Louis DeBras joins us
3: from NHL Hockey and Rogers. Hello, Louis. How are you? He just hung up on us, Bob. I'm not sure what's going on here. Okay. <laughs> we'll keep working on it. Keep working on it.
0: Uh, again, you can text us at 630, 630. Why am I getting texts about pipeline stuff, just as a FYI? Uh, this text comes in. Hey, Bob, uh, I've been wanting to see if you have an answer for, for this. Was Evan Bouchard actually benched in the third period because of the penalty shot incident? If so, Tim Hunter needs to open up his eyes. The play was because of a hot dog play by Tippett. Not Bouchard's fault. Um, I'm not sure. Was there a clarification after the game as to why Bouchard saw his minutes uh, get lessened? I mean, the team was up 9, 10, 11, nothing. It was quite uh, uh, lopsided. Again, you can text us at 630. Uh, 630. Uh, the Fizzler has texted the show to say, Reed Wilkins is the lifeboat of reason trying to stay adrift in the Kool-Aid-drenched sea of Oilers now from the Fizzler fizzler uh, just to set the record straight I hope you had a wonderful Christmas and thank you for texting the show and Reed is uh, discussed his uh, you know Reed is a lot of things um, the lifeboat of reason I'm not sure that's something we necessarily always attribute to Reed on every single issue have you heard him talk about the Edmonton Eskimos just kidding uh, yes, Reed makes a valid point. I mean, I'm concerned about the next seven games for the Edmonton Oilers, and Reed says, no, we got to be concerned about the next 14, and that's fair if Clef misses the next 14 games. Again, you can text us at 630-630. Do we have Louis ready? Are we ready to roll with Louis? I can get to one more text. Dan from LaRange has texted us to say, Bob, what are your thoughts on Paul Yarby playing with McDavid and r and I thought he had an unreal first period. Would have liked to have seen him there again. Well, we're going to see uh, dry settle McDavid – and Chase on together, and Nugent Hopkins and Paul Yarby tonight with Tobias Reader. and Ken Hitchcock has already explained that he is going to deploy Jujar Kera on left wing in that spot for the next game coming up. All right, I think we now have Louie. So let's go to Louie at this time. I think we got him good to go here. Louie, you there?
2: I'm here. All good right. Doing, hey. Sorry, but I just lost you a little bit in the – the Under parts, the bowels of the arena. Sometimes the service not the greatest.
0: Are you? Geez, we should have had you come upstairs to the booth. That might have worked. But uh, you're probably on the way out to the parking lot as we speak to uh yep. to get out of yep. Dodge. Uh, all right. Well, Louis, first things first. And by the way, Brendan, if you could, uh, if you could pull up Ken Hitchcock talking about the Lucic, Brodziak, and Cassian line from today. I don't know if you've got that. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna. Uh, get Louie down in a second here and get to that but Louie first of all just a thought on uh, settle and McDavid being reunited against the Vancouver Canucks because the Canucks did a good job against that line with Chase on in Vancouver less than a week and a half ago
2: yeah they did and they uh, they checked McDavid really hard that was the game that Ken Hitchcock came out afterwards and talked about some of the extra attention that McDavid was getting that he didn't like and you know what um, I think they can expect much of the same in this game. I think if you're the Canucks, that's exactly how you have to play against 97. And talking with some of the guys in the dressing room, um, they even mentioned that you have to try and nip him in the bud, so to speak. You have to try and get to him early and not allow him to wind up. And once he's at full speed, he's just almost impossible to handle. So you want to try and get in his way, interfere with him a bit, obviously within the confines of the rules and You know what, when you look at that game, could there have been a couple penalties called? Yes, I believe there could have been. But at the same time, I think they did a good job of playing right on that edge and making sure that he had to fight through checks to get to that open ice.
0: Um, What were your thoughts on what happened on Saturday night against Tampa Bay with McDavid, Nugent, Hopkins, and Harvey? Well,
2: I think here's the thing. Whenever you play one of the top teams in the league, you're going to get exposed in different areas. And it can be any line that gets exposed like that. They've done that to essentially almost every team in the league that they've played because they're so deep. Um, you make a mistake and they pounce on it. They capitalize on it. I, I liked the first goal of the game. I liked how Paul Yarbrough was in on the four check. Um, we've heard Hitchcock talk about his stick. He made a nice little play that probably got overlooked by a lot of people, the way he just kind of put that off the boards, care right. Um, to Nugent Hopkins a little give and go with McDavid it was in the back of the net so anytime you can create offense off of a puck which looked to be 50-50 those are 50-50 puck battles you love to win and with his reach and stick he went in there and was able to pop that back little mishap on the goal by Kucherov I mean listen that can happen to anybody that's one of the best players in the league that capitalized on a loose puck went in and, and, and just made a nice play simple as that so I like the line. I think it was an experiment. I think that he put it together to see if he could get a little bit of a different look, a little bit more depth with Leon Dreisaitl at second line center to kind of balance some of the attack against, I think, maybe the deepest team in the National Hockey League when you look at the forward lines that they can put together. So um, it certainly does tell you something, but I, I kind of look at that game and say that's a team that uh, exposes a lot of people that can make it very difficult on your depth on your balance and uh, that's exactly what they did they picked them apart when they had their opportunities
0: we're joined right now by louis de from nhl hockey and rogers bob Stauffer with you by the way louis uh you know i i, I think you had a happy holidays because i see that jake de is uh returning to the lineup is that right that's right
2: uh, yeah they're getting a little bit of uh good news today with jadano O'Charo back in i think kevin miller's back in and jake's back in as well so some healthy bodies they've been on the men for a while they've been battling a lot of a lot of injuries. Patrice Bergeron was back in there before the break, played a couple of games. So good to see him back too. So they're getting healthy. Yeah, he's back in today from from reports. Anyway, I'll believe it when I see it. I'm excited to watch him play again. But looks like he's good to go.
0: Louis, we're gonna put you on hold for about a minute and a half here because we've got uh, we've got the uh, clip, uh, the comments. You were there. This is Ken Hitchcock talking about the deployment of Kyle Brodziak, Milan Lucic, and Zach Kassian. Then we'll get some thoughts from you after, but here's Hitch.
1: They don't get enough uh, own time for me for the way they're built. It's a big body line that should just dominate, and there's not enough shots on goal. There's not enough pucks at the net. There's not enough chaos. And the few times there is, it's really hard on teams like you look at three shifts in Vancouver game, that's the consistency we're looking for from that line. If that line plays that consistent level of chaotic hockey, which is pucks to the net, bodies to the net, pucks deep, if they have that mentality, I don't think there's a line in the league that can play with them as far as big body hockey. I don't think you can check that line because it's they've got size, weight, and, and enough skill to move it around. But when they play next play hockey, next play meaning I'm going to pass off shooting opportunities, then they allow smaller, quicker people to be involved. And that's what they've done the last little while. They, their best game they played was in Vancouver. And that was exactly what we needed from them, but in the last two games they've gotten away from that. They saw that on their tape today, they looked at, and I think they recognize the way they have to play to be successful. I have no doubt that they can finish. I have no doubt that those guys can score. I've seen Brodziak score. I've coached against Lucic and Cash. I know what Lucic can do, but he's not going to do it with the limited opportunities they're getting offensively. There's not near enough. They need way more off- offensive opportunities if they expect to score, and hopefully what they saw on tape today, they can draw from that. All right,
0: Louie, I don't know if we were able to get you into your truck there so you could get out from underneath the catacombs of the building, but... Um, when you hear those comments from Ken Hitchcock talking about Brodziak, Lucic, and Cassian, it's a very polite way of him saying, hey, we need more from these guys, isn't it?
2: It is, but I also like the the approach that he's taking. He's not just saying, listen, we need you to work harder, we need you to hit more bodies, and we need you to be more physical. He he expects more than them offensively, which I think is a a real key in the conversation. He wants them to be a, a dominant force, not just physically, but also making sure that he's keeping them accountable, the opposition that is, by getting really good chances against and creating that chaos and setting a tone in the game. And I do agree with with Hitchcock in the sense that when you watch those shifts that they played against the Canucks, those were really good opportunities they created. Um, And that really puts a team back on their heels. It sets the the table for the the line that's coming over the bench next to come out and try and follow that up and be a little bit better. That's how you build on a shift. And we talk about that all the time, building on shifts, taking the next one, trying to be better than that line that was out there before you and carrying that forward in the next shift, and now you have the momentum in the game. And the momentum fluctuates throughout a game so often, but a line like Cassian, Brodziak, and Lucic can go out there and dictate that momentum by setting the table for the line after them and then following it up with another shift. Um, I do agree with them. I think they have to take more pucks to the net, and I think that's a confidence thing. You know, When I, when I look at it from that line perspective, I think – I, there's a part of me that thinks that they were fine with making sure they were making good decisions with the puck, making sure pucks were in deep, phys, finishing checks, being on the defensive side, playing physical. All that's great. All that's gravy. But now you have to take it to the next level. Now the next level is let's spend some extended periods of time in the offensive zone, make sure the battle level's higher, and, and as he said so often before, get to the inside. That's a big, strong line that you, know, you can't allow the opposition to keep you to the outside force your way to the inside get pucks to the net and create that chaos all three of those guys can shoot the puck they're, i mean there's no question you watch them in practice you watch them in games they can all fire the puck so it's a confidence say listen we're going to go out there and take a different approach here if the other two guys in the line are ready for those shots and they, they know that they're going to happen likelihood is they're going to be to that puck next they're going to be looking for rebounds looking for loose pucks keep the attack alive and if you have a reputation as a line that gets a lot of pucks to the net, the defense are activated as well. They know what's going to happen, and they're ready for that, as he likes to say, chaotic type of a play. So um, I agree with them. I think they need more from a lot of guys in this team. The depth has been something that's been talked about all year long as far as, far as trying to find that secondary scoring and um, getting away from the top six guys and trying to find scoring from your bottom six. And that line, I think, can start to produce a little more if they just start to take a little bit different attitude I like the fact that he talked about the video because the video doesn't lie. You watch your video shifts uh, from games previous, and you see the things you do well, and you see the things you don't do well, and you carry it forward. You say, okay, let's try and duplicate those things that we did well. It's a small little adjustment for them, but it's a huge one.
0: Louis, was this something that was at all deployed when you were playing? The video, we, you
2: know, we didn't have the we didn't have the personalized video like they have now. It's amazing, you know. The iPads come out on the bench. You know, you'll, yeah. you'll watch games, and I'll look over from between the benches, and I'll see players looking at their opportunities, looking at their shift. You know, immediately after getting to the bench, and I, you know, I, I've heard Hitch talk about that. He thinks it's too much, and I kind of, to a certain degree, think it is too. I think you have to let that go unless there's something really specific you want to look at, um, but. I think that can be done in between periods. I think you can do that a little bit after games, for sure. Uh, The next day in the morning, you kind of go over the review of the game and you'll follow those things up. Uh, But it is instant feedback. There's no question about that. There's no hiding anymore in the game. I mean, it was, uh, you know, it was a miracle if I could stay off the video the next day after a game. So if I didn't have a clip, a negative one that is, then that was a real positive for me. (laughs) If you're in the positive side of the video clips the next morning, that's okay. You don't mind that. But if you're the star of the video in a negative way, that's not a very good thing. So you're always trying to make sure you're on the plus side of those video clips uh, for the good things. But, yeah, there certainly was video replays and clips that we did back in the day. But it was more of a group. It was more from a team perspective and picking apart certain types of systems. Yes, there would be call-outs on individual players if something was glaringly being ha- happening over and over again. But... Nowadays, I think it's way more individual, much like a lot of things in the game are. But I, I just think that there's way more individual feedback to players specifically, saying this is what you need to do um, to be successful.
0: All right, uh, one final one for you, a bit of a curveball. Uh, last night, fourteen nothing Canada over Denmark. I mean, that's a tough game for everybody to be involved with. Let me ask you this: What's the worst you've ever been beaten in a game? And what's the worst? I mean, I remember once you are with an Oiler team to beat Calgary 9-1. So that was yeah. a good night. But do you recall uh, Do you recall a couple ugly scores, maybe from junior or various different levels? Jeez, you know what?
2: It's funny how we block those things out of our minds. Because yeah. <laughs> I'm drawing a blank right now. Um, we always joke, you know, tough guys especially have memories like elephants. They remember everything when it comes to wronging and writing. But... You know, when it comes to really bad beatdowns, it's amazing how fast you can just erase that from the database and say, you know, I don't want to think about that anymore. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that you check out probably after the first or second period once that happens. Now, the game was a little different back then. And if you were up by five or six goals, you can be guaranteed that there was probably some nastiness at the end of the game and some guys that were getting kicked out. We used to always joke and say, okay, who's going to get to the hot showers first? And that came from, you know junior days and small buildings and junior b junior c major junior where some of these rinks the hot water only really lasted so long so if you got kicked out of the game and you got to the showers early then you got the hot water <laughs> shower. and i got the hot water water quite a few times when i was playing to those games but you know what um i honestly can't I, you stump me i can't think of a bad beat i know there were some there was some really bad beats over the course of my career everybody has them and Like I said, you really try and park those as soon as possible because, uh, if you let those linger around for too long, they're just, it's just a negative vibe. So just like the positives, you try and keep it an even keel throughout the year. You want to celebrate a win, but you want to move on to the next game. And you know what, when you get beat something like that, you just kind of check it and move on. But, uh. Yeah, I didn't see that coming. You know, you know, a lot of times teams will play a real defensive sound game against yep. Canada because they know they have firepower and they usually can just keep them to the outside and you get a little bit of goaltending and you don't let the score run up, but everything seemed to be working for them yesterday. It's just one of those games.
0: All right, got to put you on the spot here. What's the funniest thing? I lied. i got one more question for Uh-oh. you. You mentioned being out. I mean, it's a tremendous vantage point. It's difficult working a game from there. Uh, at ice level because it's so fast, but what's the funniest thing that you can say uh, that made guys on both teams laugh that was politically correct or politically sensitive during the course of a game? <laughs> Have you had a moment like that where bo- the boys on both teams were laughing pretty good down there? Uh, you know
2: what? I mean, things, uh, it's amazing. You The concentration level down there, which people <laughs> I think sometimes forget is you're not everybody's watching the same thing you would think that everybody like you watch on a game at home you're watching the full entire play go up and down the ice but when you're on the bench you're watching the man you're taking next you're watching the guy that you know you might want to play like because every single player isn't looking at the same thing i don't think they puck watch as much as people think yeah i think they i think they watch the game in a different way they're watching players and they're watching the flow but They'll they'll really isolate on certain guys and I, I know i did when i was on the bench i was constantly watching individual players and i'd watch the flow go up and i had to really f- find myself get away from that in between the benches because you can get too focused on individual players because you want to watch how they're moving in a position or what they're doing and you need to kind of have a more broader look at the game yeah. um but you know for me it's the stuff after the whistles there a lot of there's a lot of talk that goes between the two benches it's incredible and It's funny, you know, I've never really covered up my microphone because it doesn't really pick up a lot from too far away. So I usually will step back if guys are really close to me, beacon. But, uh, you know, there's been some interactions of guys right there at the bench that have been pretty funny, but um, nothing that I can repeat, that's for sure. Okay. I do remember one time, though, one of the first games I did, and I talked about it not too long ago, Alexander Betts, he liked to jump up and sit right in front of me. And, you know, I was kind of, you know, I'm a novice at doing this between the benches, and we were going to go on camera. Yeah. And my producer at the time, Paul Griss, was like, yeah, just give Ovi a shove and tell him to get off the bench. You know, because he was sitting literally right where my camera would be pointing at me, and I'm like, are you serious? Like, uh, you know, I mean, just to give him a shove, on, like tell him to get off the bench because we're going to do a camera. Hangar? Like, how am I supposed to get him to get off the bench? But luckily he jumped off the bench and moved away. Uh, before funny. The camera came to me, but... But, you know, you, when, you're, when you haven't been down there and you're not used to the environment, I always say to myself, Bob, when I'm down there and I've talked to you about this, the less you see me, the better, in my opinion. I'm trying to not interfere yes. too much with what's happening with the players. I don't interact with players that much unless they engage me first, which they do. They want to talk about video. They want to see, like, both of that last game. You know, wanted to know if it hit the butt end of the stick on an opportunity. They want to know again that instant feedback. What happened? Like, did that yep. was that close, or was that really a penalty? Or did you see yep. that? Was that offside? And if I can give them that information, I will. Um, but but a lot of times, I try and stay away from them because I don't I, I don't want to interfere with what their their routine is sure. on the ice. But. I find more and more now they're so comfortable with a guy down there, they will engage you first and talk, and, and hey, I'm all for that. I, it's, it's great to be right down there in the mix and have that conversation with a guy at the bench from time to time.
0: Awesome stuff, Louie. Hey, thanks for your time. We'll hook up next week, okay? Sounds good, bud. Bye. That's Louis DeBrosk. It's 1257 in Edmonton. Off to a global news weather traffic update. Eileen Bell. Brian Burke coming up for Canadian Power Back at 105. This is Oilers Now.